A proverb of old says that if you teach a child in the way he should go, he will not depart from it, meaning we develop a good portion of our worldview and identity at a very young age. Now, what if today ideologies were threatening to undo everything you've stood for? What if it were not only your kids, but the entire future of this nation? Yes, this is a critical problem. How CRT could destroy Canada. Canada's youth, ages 6 to 17, spend more waking hours in the institutional classroom than they do with their parents. In fact, twice as much, 10 months of the year, if you include extracurricular activities that many families run to three nights a week. To say that our school system is crucial in developing our children is an understatement. So when ideologies like critical race theory are cloaked under misleading terms like progress and justice, it is our responsibility as Canadians, parents or not, to take a look at the facts and make decisions in the best interest of this country's future. Our kids are our future. Although the school of thought was born from 1930s Marxism in Europe, critical race theory, or CRT, originated in the 1970s at Harvard and was first discussed among American academics. CRT is an ideology that views all Western social hierarchies as problematic and needing to be overthrown. Its four prominent tenets are, Racism is normal and everywhere. One must not ask if racism has occurred, but when and how. Convergence theory, a term implying white people are incapable of righteous actions when it comes to race. Illiberalism, meaning that objective truth and individuality have no place. They are the antithesis of equity. True knowledge can only be gained through narrative. Science and math, for example, are discriminatory. CRT uses the oppressor and oppressed paradigm to divide people into infinite subcategories. It assumes there are always sinister power dynamics at work. CRT wants to tell little boys like this they will always be oppressed. And little boys like this, they will always be the oppressor. Is that what you want taught to these precious young people? CRT could change the game, poisoning the identity and self-confidence of an entire generation. Let me be clear, racism is evil. I am certainly not disputing that. Unfortunately, the term has become such a misused word, fired off like a gun to just shut down arguments. You know what? Calling something racist in and of itself is not actually accomplishing the goal of addressing the issue. Often we hear terms like systemic racism or intersectionality said in such a flippant way as if everybody can fully appreciate the dozens of principles encapsulated in them. Any shallow side of an argument can twist a complex problem to evoke a simple emotion, a powerful emotion, a negative emotion. But it takes a wise person to be able to look at all the factors and all the data objectively, seek expert advice, and offer tangible, 
positive solutions to the community. The ideology of critical race theory finds its roots in Marxism, which is essentially the philosophy of communism put to action, or by a milder term, socialism. Whoa, yes, that's a lot of terms in one sentence. My goal today is not to impress you with jargon, but rather I'm here to present facts. I encourage you to look into these items for yourself. I'm also offering an opinion, an interpretation. It's your responsibility to take in all the information available to you in context, to think critically, and to make decisions for yourself. That's what we all must do. No one is immune to having to make tough decisions. And ignorance itself is a choice. You have the ability to gain the pertinent knowledge and confidently speak to these important issues. CRT is one of the underpinning ideologies fueling groups like Black Lives Matter and Antifa. So why do movements like these rally people in droves? My opinion, because as a society, we are having an identity crisis. Everyone is starving for a place to belong and a worthy cause that will give them a sense of purpose. You don't have to look too hard in today's headlines to see that acceptance and identity are at the core of so many societal struggles. Mental health stats certainly confirm that Canadian youth are wrestling with stress well beyond their years. 70% of mental health problems have their onset during school age with an estimated 1.2 million Canadian children and teens currently affected by mental illness. International best-selling author and neuroscientist Dr. Carolyn Leaf puts it this way. In the 25 years that I practiced, I had the privilege of working with thousands of students and adults and of people of all ages. My youngest patient was about two and my eldest was about 84. So a whole range of people with all kinds of communication issues. The underlying thing is identity. And that is actually confirmed from a research standpoint that the most common underlying problem globally with humanity is one of identity. The research shows that if you know who you are, you won't be jealous or envious or threatened by anyone else. You will actually realize that as you celebrate someone else, instead of being jealous or envious or frightened or threatened by someone else, you actually enhance your own brain health and your own physical health. As a brilliant, intelligent human being, you are making decisions moment by moment of every single day. And every decision that you make is changing your reality. And because you are in relationship with those people around you and with everyone on this planet, your decisions are affecting everyone else. Every thought that you think is not just some random event or some harmless thing. Every thought that you think is coming from the depths of your identity. And maybe that identity is skewed. Maybe it's not operating like it should, but it will produce fruits. And those, that fruit is the, are the words that you speak and the actions that you perform. You are a human living in a world with other humans and you're entangled. So whatever you are is supposed to be changing your community. What does this identity crisis mean for today? 
Should it be a call to inspire youth to be the best version of themselves, to work hard, to aim high, and to stand on the shoulders of the previous generation? Well, the alternative, CRT, is teaching our children that some are predisposed to failure. They can never get ahead. To others, they're being persuaded that they can never apologize enough for so-called privilege. I just don't see a world where this kind of teaching actually helps kids flourish at all. Under this philosophy, once we become allegedly enlightened, then what? Will there be a societal flip? No, CRT says equality will only be achieved when no one has a leg up. Because of race, gender, influence, orientation, or ability, among other things. The concept of personal responsibility becomes obsolete. It's as if to say, now everyone can climb the ladder. Only the ladder is lying flat on the ground. That does not sound like a Canada I want to live in or to leave to my grandkids. CRT is in Canada. Many people don't want to hear that or they dismiss the notion because it simply isn't prevalent in their reality. Well, here is just a quick list of facts. Again, I encourage you to look this up for yourself. 300 million of taxpayers' dollars are earmarked for what the government calls equity programs, as outlined in the 2021 budget. For example, the Liberals are forcing diplomats to take race-based sensitivity training and released a document called Building a Foundation of Change, Canada's anti-racism strategy to the tune of $45 million. The training documents from Global Affairs Canada make some pretty bold claims, including that racism cannot be remedied through education. Further down the page, they expand on this, saying, if we assume this, then we are assuming a privileged status for those who are educated, as if those with education are more virtuous or of greater capacity to be good. CRT is being pushed into provincial curriculums across the country. One high school in Ontario is vowing to rewrite the math curriculum so that it is decolonial and anti-racist. One Canadian news journalist phrased it like this, There has been a quantum leap in the conversation on racism from just a few short years ago. I wanted to hear from teachers. Are students trying to make sense of the concepts in CRT? Because of smartphone use, I'm seeing that students are having identity questions earlier and earlier. Nobody can really escape it these days. And so they want to know uh, what identity politics means. They want to know what does critical race theory mean? How does it work? They kind of slip into all or nothing thinking. And when you get into identity politics that pits one group against another, it is very confusing for them. And so what they can do is they become either very self-censoring and they're very quiet and compliant uh, about, uh, you know, prevailing attitudes that are in the world today, or they maybe make a mockery or make fun of it. 
and there doesn't seem to be much uh, middle ground because it is a more abstract topic. Even by the time they graduate, they're 18, they're going into the workplace or maybe going into post-secondary, they haven't necessarily solidified their identity. Their identity uh, in terms of who they are and what they're looking for in terms of uh, people groups and equality and justice, uh, those things haven't necessarily been answered by the time they graduate from high school. You see, critical race theory only offers two possible core identities. You are either the oppressor or the oppressed. What a bleak outlook on life. Jordan B. Peterson is a well-known Canadian intellectual and educator. He illustrates what he calls the lie of Marxist white privilege. They'll be teaching your kids this in elementary school in no time flat because it's already happening in Canada. So you, like, if it hasn't happened here, it's going to, and it'll be within the next two or three years. They're starting to teach kids postmodern literary criticism as the, initial, as the initiation into literature. If you say Dostoevsky's great, it's because you're a white supremacist and you, you've elevated the, the Caucasian literary figures arbitrarily to support the domination of your own power group. And that's all there is to literature. So to attribute that to something like systemic racism, which is another term I just absolutely despise, and which is making headway in Canada like you wouldn't believe. So you know what, we have a very peaceful country. We've had very little racial tension, but we're working hard to solve that problem, I can tell you. <laughs> and this is the terminology. Equality, diversity, inclusivity, equity. That's a bad one. That means equality of outcome. And, that, and in that term, equality of outcome is nested all the horrors of Marxism. And white privilege is another one. You know, and, and you might, then I would also say with regards to white privilege, let's get it clear, eh? How about we do this? How about we decide what actually constitutes racism? It's pretty bloody straightforward. It's the attribution of a set of attributes <laughs> to someone based on their skin color. And so to say that because you're white, and that's actually a quite difficult thing to define, that you're somehow characterized by privilege and that that privilege is associated with guilt for, for historical crimes, that's racism. You see, to attribute to the individual the characteristics of one of the groups to which they happen to belong in some sense, that's the thing we're supposed to be fighting. And to talk about white privilege is precisely that. It's racist, period. There's so many differences between people. You can't just do that. You can't pull someone out and say, well, you're the member of this homogenous category system, and I can ignore all your heterogeneity, the diversity that the left, radical left is always talking about. I can ignore all that diversity, and I can attribute to you this set of properties including your, let's call it, class guilt. If you want a formula that will break your society up in pieces, then that's the formula. And then you might also understand that the people who derive those formulas, that's exactly what they're aiming at. We have to go back to the individual. We have to go back to the individual as the center of the cosmos, right? That that, that image of God that the previous speaker talked about, that brings order out of chaos through the power of truthful speech. That's the core idea of Western civilization. And it's the greatest idea that, that humanity has ever produced. And we can't lose sight of it. Because if we lose sight of it, we're gonna lose everything. At some point, we all have to deal with this thing called 
identity. When you are presented with only two choices, to be the oppressed or to be the oppressor, your fate is basically decided for you. Both of these options do not offer hope. CRT signals everything traditional as supremacy. It perpetuates the need for government intervention. It contributes to the class gap. It's divisive. The philosophy itself calls for equal outcome rather than equal opportunity. Thomas Sowell is one of the esteemed wise thinkers of our time. In his book, Discrimination and Disparities, he makes these stunning remarks when explaining how narrow the categories of Marxism really are. How far do you take this? To what extent do we strive for equal outcome? And is that the highest moral standard? We will always have disparities in a free enterprise. We are setting up these kids to have a victim mentality and feel like there's nothing that can be done. In the book, Sol points out that globally, the dominant differentiating factor between wealthy, successful nations and those that aren't is literacy. In reference to measuring American success, studies have shown that regardless of race, the biggest differentiating factor was in family backgrounds. I first became aware of this years ago when I got, came across some data on you know, the finalists for the National Merit Scholarship. And in five-child families, that finalist was the, fifth, the firstborn more often than the other four put together. And in four child families, that firstborn was the finalist more often than the other three and, and two child, wherever you do it. The amount of parental attention a child gets makes a huge difference in the future. Disparities can also reflect the plain fact that success in many kinds of endeavors depends on prerequisites peculiar to each endeavor, and a relatively small difference in meeting those prerequisites can mean a very large difference in outcomes. You see, there are so many factors that go into determining one's future. I'd wager that we have to give kids the most hopeful worldview possible so one day they can take responsibility for their own decisions and destinies. Besides that, it is imperative children have role models to look up to that do not give into the thinking that just because you had a tough start in life, you can never rise above those circumstances. Former Black Lives Matter chapter president Rashad Turner knows this all too well. When I was two years old, my father was shot and killed. My mother wasn't able to take care of me, so I was raised by my grandparents. They told me that if I was going to change my life for the better, education was the answer. So I worked hard in school. I got into Hamlin University and earned a college degree, first in my family. Then I went on to earn a master's in education from St. Mary's University of Minnesota. I am living proof that no matter your start in life, quality education is a pathway to success. That's why in 2015, I was a founder of Black Lives Matter in St. Paul. I believe the organization stood for exactly what the name implies. Black lives do matter. However, after a year on the inside, I learned they had little concern for rebuilding black families. 
and they cared even less about improving the quality of education for students in Minneapolis. That was made clear when they publicly denounced charter schools alongside the teachers union. I was an insider in Black Lives Matter, and I learned the ugly truth. The moratorium on charter schools does not support rebuilding the black family, but it does create barriers to a better education for black children. After resigning from Black Lives Matter, Turner was more passionate than ever to see the education of black children in his community improve, and now serves on the Minnesota Parents Union. I'm sure the grandparents who raised him are very proud, as they would have lived through the era of segregation and the march on Washington. The ideology of critical race theory does not embody or champion the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Martin Luther King Jr. was passionate about keeping families and communities together. One of CRT's main principles is to dismantle the nuclear family. In a 2013 interview with CBS News, Bernice King, who is Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter, explained the inspiration of her father's most famous speech. He was asking us to get to a place where the first thing that we utilize as a measurement is not someone's external designation, but it really is trying to look beyond that into the substance of a person, to rid ourselves of those kinds of prejudices and biases that we often bring. It's sad and very scary to imagine a world where people want to undo the freedoms that so many gave their lives for. Over the last 100 years, an estimated 65 million people have died at the hands of socialism in communistic countries, trying to force equity or equality of outcome. How quickly we can forget what's behind us. As an author once said, a generation which ignores history has no past and no future. A January 1945 edition of the journal Mental Hygiene talked about the scourge of war on the mental health of enlisted youth, bringing us back to this whole concept of identity, purpose, and having a cause. Dr. Gordon Eady puts it to readers like this. We are trying to show him, the soldier, not only what we are fighting against, but what we are fighting for. So many of these boys have only a very hazy idea of the real issues of the war. About all they see is going back to the good old days. This is a dangerous state. If they don't stand for something, they will fall for anything. They need to realize that we are fighting two wars, the war of arms and the war of ideas. Well, I think that is a brilliant observation for then and for now. All these people that are calling for equality, justice, and sometimes violence, I wonder if they're ignoring what socialism, including the communist regimes of history, have done. Or do they simply not see the connection? Not to mention the logistical challenges that would come with defunding or completely restructuring institutions 
like law enforcement. I do not see any historical examples where communism and Marxism have bolstered a country into success. It's actually the absolute opposite. I find it astonishing in this modern era of 2021 that we are even having this conversation. Now more than ever, people are craving identity and purpose. Are we so bored here in North America that we have to create reasons to rally for a cause? All common sense Canadians can agree that no one should be doomed by the sins of former generations or suffer unjustly at the hands of fellow Canadians. Like I said before, racism is evil. I want to live in a Canada where all colors and creeds feel safe, accepted, and valued. We all want what's best for our communities and children. I just cannot get on board with a philosophy that is destructive at its core and racist in nature. I will not stand idly by as things like critical race theory steal and destroy the lives and livelihoods of many Canadians. So my challenge to you today is to be aware. And as our anthem says, stand on guard for thee. This is your Canada. No, it isn't perfect, but let's not forget the freedom and opportunity it has provided for so many. I've personally spoken with many immigrant families who are quick to name safety and freedom as the reasons they came to Canada. You and people like you are what makes this country great. Together, we are strong, dividing us by skin color and labeling us oppressor or oppressed doesn't feel like progress to me. Whatever situations come your way, be prepared to respond with accurate information rather than emotional opinions. After all I've presented here today, do something. Stop being silent if you have. Write your MLAs, get involved on school boards, parent councils, and grassroots movements that protect kids. Talk about this with your friends and family, or consider sharing this program with them. Remain steadfast in your love for Canada and be a part of the solution. It's not government programs or rewriting math that will change people's hearts. It's the love and acceptance of neighbors, of friends, of a society that celebrates multiculturalism and holds everyone to the tenets of a free democracy and a beautiful society. In the months and years to come, this fight may not always be pretty, but it's necessary for you to engage. As George Washington put it, truth will ultimately prevail where there is pains to bring it to light? Are you willing to have honest, open dialogue about the kinds of ideologies that are being pushed in schools and communities? Are you willing to have an unpopular point of view because you want to heal the nation rather than see it divided? 
I said it before, but I think it bears repeating. Our children are our future. Don't let the fear of going against the grain stand in the way of an unquenchable search for truth and wise decision-making. We owe our kids that much. Let's all return to reason. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today.